2: This episode of Our Fair City is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Please enjoy the show. Loyal Policies, this is Heartlife NFP Executive Producer Jeffrey Gardner. This week, we've got a recording of a panel we gave the Oak Lawn Public Library Fan Fest, titled Bringing Your Sci-Fi Story to Life with Audio Drama. This panel was recorded Saturday, May 6th of 2017. If you want to support Heartlife NFP in our fair city, consider making a pledge to our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash heartlifeNFP. We are really excited to be just a few pledges away from reaching our next goal. When we hit it, we'll get started on producing a mini-series based on the life and times of Dr. Herbert West before he reached HeartLife. We can't wait to get cracking on it. Thank you all so much for listening, and as always, we'll see you in the tunnels.
3: Uh, so, maybe.
1: Would he like your resume for him much more than his own?
3: Uh, it would be much more dense, that's uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. You guys
0: know blood. the Daniel Craig story, right? It's my favorite story about this, like, mistaken. Okay, no. so there will be blood. We'll start the panel after I tell this. So.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, this is a good lead in. <laughs> so,
0: Clay, my, my husband's like, let's watch this movie, There Will Be Blood. Daniel Craig is it. <laughs> 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 Daniel Craig is so good in this movie. And I'm like, all right. Daniel Day Craig.
2: <laughs> if you're getting
0: the, that's the punchline of this, right? Oh, so sorry. we watch the whole movie, and I will tell you that I was waiting for a Daniel Craig cameo even in the last fifteen minutes. I'm like, maybe it's got like a twist moment He <laughs> yeah. plays like a character right at the end. He's the
1: bowling oh, pin. Bowling, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs>
0: and then at the very I'm like, where was Daniel Craig? And he goes, Oh, did I say Daniel Craig? <laughs> I waited the entire film. I watched that entire movie, like, with eagle eyes. False Ah, Uh, unfair. Good afternoon, everybody. Hello. Good to see you all. Thank you for coming to our panel. Uh, My name is Lauren Fates, and these are the people of HeartLife, which is a Chicago-area nonprofit that specializes in creating science fiction universes through things like podcasting live events, uh, and conversations like these with people like you. So thank you for being here. Uh, I want to first have our panelists just introduce themselves. Please tell me your name and what you do for HeartLife.
3: Uh, my name is Ansel Birch. I am the nar- narrator for Our Fair City.
0: Yes, Our Fair City is our flagship production right now.
4: I'm Stephen Perrin and I write and record the music for Our Fair City. I'm Jim McDaniel,
5: and I'm one of the writers.
1: I'm Ellie Maitland, and I play a couple of the characters, uh, voiceover characters, in Our Fair City. And I also uh, have designed and performed the Foley live sound effects for the past several uh, seasons of Our Fair City's live performances.
0: So, uh, we were invited to this uh, event partially because Our Fair City is a sci-fi story. It's a post-apocalyptic uh, kind of adventure that says a lot about climate change and a lot about what the world might be like uh, after climate change has taken over. In the Our City world, uh, one insurance company, also called Heartlife, has uh, kind of become the government in a singular tower out in, uh, well, I guess it's
3: Hartford. Which is a
4: wasted tundra so, of yeah, The wasted
0: tundra that is no longer Hartford. And our, uh, we're in our seventh season now, and we have eight planned, after which the story will end. So we hope you'll go to ArthurCity.com and catch up and listen to some of our stories, which include things like mad scientists, uh, walking dead, giant ant people, carnivorous mold, uh, and mole people, uh, all of which we bring to life with voices and sound. And today we're going to teach you a little bit about how to podcast, help you maybe turn your stories into podcasts. Uh, so first of all, just show of hands: Who here all already knows what a podcast is? Great, we're all there. Uh, do any of you have a podcast of your own right now? No. Uh, awesome. So we go on over what OFC is. Are Are any of you looking to start a podcast? Is that what you're here for? Maybe you're interested. All right. Cool. I just
6: want to find out more.
0: Yeah, find out more. That's great. So we're going to go over kind of chronologically how to make a podcast. And then at the end, we hope you stick around because we're going to do a sound effects demo. And if some of you would like, you can actually be the voices in our sound effects (laughs) demo. Uh, That would be great. We are recording this panel. It's going to appear on our website. So please ask questions and participate. So uh, science fiction stories, every podcast has to start with a story that you feel needs to be told. So I'm going to go to Jim first. Uh, how did Our Fair City come up with its story? How does it continue to do so?
5: Um, so <laughs> the origin story, and Ansel can help me out with this, yes. um, was the Clayton Fates in college had an idea, like sitting around in a dorm room, about like this whole post-apocalyptic thing where there's a climate change event and everything's frozen and one insurance company runs everything. That was in college and then most of the original people involved in the project met. We were working at MSI Mm -hmm. on the Harry Potter exhibit.
1: What's MSI?
5: uh, Museum of Science and Industry. For those of you listening at home,
3: here in Chicago,
5: Illinois. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Harry Potter is not, a successful a British uh, boy <laughs> wizard series. Um, and we we were all professional wizards. Yep. And I don't know... Okay, so I don't know how he ended up talking to people. Because I was the last one brought on board.
3: Uh, I, You know, so the thing is, he, he came to us at work. Keep in mind, he was our boss at the time. Uh, and he was like, I've got this idea. And of course, we were all like, sure, great. Yeah, yes, ideas. Mr. Fakes. Those are good. Um, and he, he knew that we were writers, and so he he was, like, going through one by one and trying to find people to write a vignette here or there. Because he had this grand vision of it being a, a very different project than it ended up being. Um,
5: and yeah, because ori- originally we were going to... this. We were going to have,
3: like, pseudo-animated backdrops and a live performance. Yeah, we were going to be
5: doing it, like, in bars and and hopefully theaters sometime. It would have been really cool. It was going to be, like, more staged readings. Uh, Almost as
3: cool as it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I guess what you want to take from that is that a story for a fictional podcast can really start anywhere. This was just a group of friends at a job, but some people I know at this convention are aspiring comic writers or comic artists or just big fans, um, and a lot of podcasts are nonfiction. You know, there's political podcasts, review podcasts, and so you can really take any story and turn it into this medium.
3: Well, and I, I guess more to the point that, of the the actual thing that we were being act- asked about, our fair city started as a series of vignettes. We were asked to create uh, a short script featuring one character who had a an interesting life, and those characters were supposed to be uh the lowest people on the totem poles in their respective fields. Uh and that's where we got characters like uh Nathan Rourke and uh so who's a you did Neil Henderson. A, I wrote Neil Henderson who was a he he shovels poop into an incinerator professionally. That is his <laughs> job. With with Betsy the Shovel with Betsy the Shovel, his very special shovel. Um, so yeah so we started <laughs> with these individual characters and they were they were not originally supposed to be connected. Uh, and then a narrative sort of formed from all of these interesting characters and their connections to the world. Uh, and it blossomed from there. So, yeah, really it is. It's, it's Your idea can come from anywhere, and by combining your idea with the work of others, you really do discover a lot that would not have been there normally.
0: So how has, uh, to keep to the theme of this fanfest, how has the genre of science fiction Influenced some of the stories you guys have written and come into our show.
5: Um, quite a bit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, uh, one, I mean, oh.
0: I was going
1: to say one of the things that I love about our fair city is how there are a lot of recognizable facets of uh, pre-existing science fiction embroidered into the world that these writers have written together. Um, and I feel like a lot of that is. Uh, generational in part because of how much we think in and learn in story, and that has gotten a lot more unified in the past several decades because of the speed with which pop culture is able to uh, get disseminated, become canonized, and become cliche, and so there are aspects of our fair city that uh, celebrate and also lampshade things like time travel in Doctor Who, or uh, the... Um, the hybridization of these mole people that are the, the slave class mm-hmm. in, in the world of heart life.
5: But in a cheery way. But in yeah. a cheery <laughs> way.
1: Well, they're actually the heart of the, of the, of the uh, entire world, I think. And, and as oh, a yeah.
4: medium, audio drama is a great way to be able to produce these science fictional worlds without having a Hollywood budget. Yes. Where if you want to have a giant people mover going through train tracks with a bunch of scientists having their own convention on a train car, we can create that without having to be like, all right, who wants to build a train? Yeah. Or who wants to make a CG background for this scene? And when I was when I was in high school, my friends and I did our own like series of Star Trek and Doctor Who dramas, because we could. We could just do it in a friend's bedroom with a little USB microphone. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out that these guys were creating something, audio is so powerful, you can hear a single sound, you can hear a lightsaber ignite, or literally two notes of music, and that will instantly make you think, of a story or a show and, and transport you to that world. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what's so powerful with audio drama, is that you can hear the first two notes of the theme, where you can just hear a character laughing, and you can instantly picture in your mind what's happening in the scene.
3: I think one of the really uh, great things about podcasting as a medium is that it has lowered the bar for entry so that anyone can create content and get it out into the world. And if you create good content, people will listen to it. It, It's uh, a reciprocating uh, machine that sort of uh, creates this beautiful uh, meritocracy. Uh, But there are so many many podcasts out there, and it's so easy to create your own and become a part of that community. Uh, And I think it's telling that science fiction stories are such a big part of the podcasting medium. If you look at a lot of the, the best podcasts out there or the highest-rated podcasts out there, the ones that are about stories are, you know, we've got Our Fair City. There's Wolf 359, which takes place on a space station orbiting a star. There's, uh, um, gosh, a number of other really, really good podcasts out there that take place in the science fiction and uh, and and fantasy
4: uh, genres. And that was really influenced by the Big Finish, Dr. Who audio. Oh, yeah, that's good that good To me, that's what all of, all of my friends, we listen to those, and we're like, we can do this. We <laughs> might not be able to test Sylvester McCoy, but we could pretend that one of us is Sylvester McCoy.
1: And headcanon is another one of the things that's really exciting to see, uh, the way that dialogue is forming with your fan base and with the creators, and kind of a give and take with that. Because, especially with science fiction or with horror, where I have a couple more
4: leanings toward...
1: Uh, the idea is that the pictures that you create in your head are going to be more tailor-made to how you will get a satisfactory narrative experience.
4: Uh,
5: specifically just, uh, like, things that occur, uh, appear in our podcast that are just kind of science fiction tropes. We've, I mean, we've got more people. We've got giant ants. We've got mad scientists, one of whom is actually Herbert West, and brings people back to life. We've got brains I'm and tanks. How many we, got. Yeah.
4: we have a Dr. Caligari.
5: Yeah, we have a Dr. Caligari, uh, <laughs> who's not that Dr. Caligari, but that's her name. Dr. A. a, Doctor. a, Doctor. a Doctor. Uh, but we have brains and tanks. We've got uh, one character who can, uh, one semi-reanimated character who can, uh, who's, can d- detach her head and crawl around on little spider legs. You um, don't have giant dinosaurs. Do you not have any so dinosaurs? Dinosaur so. coming
6: <gasps> dinosaur. <gasps> dinosaur. <laughs> dinosaur Which
5: is region. frankly a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah.
6: So I
0: love what you guys have been saying about uh, kind of the bar to entry being low and podcasting being a thing anyone can do. So I'd like to take a moment. Bye, dinosaur. Uh, I'd like to take a moment to talk about uh, the evolution of sort of the equipment we've been using and the environments we've been in. <laughs> My understanding, this was before my time in the company, uh, was that it kind of started out with you guys literally recording in a closet, uh, and now we have our own studio. And so let's start at the bottom. (laughs) If you are doing, like, your first podcast, what's some of the equipment that you need to get to do it somewhat competently on a budget? It's your first time.
3: Uh, You're going to need a microphone. That's a good start. And a quiet room. If you have those things and free audio editing software, you are probably halfway there. You can probably do whatever story you need with those tools.
0: What are some uh, editing software and or microphones that you would like to recommend? Oh, Jim's
5: specific. List. I, I, have, I have an email from someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Um, so... Oh. Well, by, by which I mean I asked this question and they did <laughs> um, So... Uh, editing, we use Adobe Audition. I can't remember if that's a free one. That is not a free. That's one. not free.
0: Oh, no, Audacity. Audacity, Audacity. Yeah. but yeah,
5: we uh, which is where we started. Yeah, yes. super uh, Audacity is a free program that is super easy to learn and great for starting out. There's also Pro Tools, which is the industry quote in quotes industry standard for sound design.
0: Right. Yeah, I know that um, some entry-level microphones that podcasters use, a lot of people use a Snowball. I have a, a Snowball, A people yep. use a Yeti. I, my, I use a Yeti. Mm-hmm. And those are you know, below $100 if you find them on the right website. Yeah.
3: You can go to Best Buy and pick up a Snowball.
4: 50 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And they're great. I mean, it's such a big step up from whatever input your computer came with. If you have $50, like you're going to already change your quality immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what mics we have in the studio. I do know we made our soundproofing in the studio out of just you know blankets that we hammered grommets into. And so I really encourage you, if you can't afford the professional-grade stuff, use what you have around
1: you. Blankets and uh, egg crates, like egg, egg crate mattress padding. Uh, Is something I see re- uh, repurposed a lot
5: yeah. for in-home studios. There, um, there's a picture that was posted. So we we we've been having people, other podcasters we know, guest star, and there's there's a picture one of them took um, the uh, the ladies in New York who do the Spirits podcast. Um, one of them, like, with like in front of a laptop on a chair with like a blanket, they basically created a pillow fort <laughs> oh, to, yeah. to record
4: for us. Yes, mm-hmm. and we got our first question over here. Um, my stepfather used uh the foam foam mats, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. foam mats, and also the uh the trays for the pops and stuff. He just drilled into those, and it actually was 100, 100 cheap and like really perfect. And after that, he, he started wanting it to be absolute quiet. He'd do rugs, just throw rugs on the yep. floor.
6: Yeah.
4: Yeah, rugs on the floor, uh, um,
3: curtains on the walls. Egg crate is amazing. Soda crates. I haven't heard about that one. That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, like the ones
6: you get from, like, McDonald's and...
3: Yeah, the, like, drink oh, tray. Like, yeah, corrugated, yeah. 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 Nice. So, so the, he used that,
6: and he drilled right in the center and on the four corners, and he did that top-bottom is anyone
0: interested in talking about the science of why that works? Because it's really actually cool.
3: I feel like I can cover it very basically, and I'll hopefully someone can do better afterward. Uh, if you want to sound really fancy, that's called baffling. And the idea is just to interrupt the ability of the sound to bounce off of the wall. So anything that changes the direction of the sound is going to be good baffling. Um, so uh, when we talk about curtains and carpets, that's going to muffle the amount of uh, reverberation and um, echo that you're getting out of your room. But if you've got the corrugated uh, foam or the egg crate or even the drink containers, um, that's actually catching the sound and redirecting it away from the microphone. It's like if you were to fire a bullet
1: at a metal wall and controlling how it would ricochet off.
3: Yeah, you're yeah. getting it to bounce a different direction than where you fired it, yeah.
0: Uh, so for those of us who maybe want to be the voices of a podcast or the host of a podcast, what are some tips our actor friends have about sounding good and keeping up your, your voice, keeping it healthy? Water.
1: Water is your friend. Water, yeah. Um, <laughs> avoid, if you're going to be recording the next day and you are not uh, going to be uh, trying to sound like a, an old, and tired barbmaid, uh, maybe, you know, rest up your voice, um, Avoid shouting, avoid smoking, Mm -hmm.
3: avoid
1: drawing yourself out. Um,
3: An important thing that I've constantly had to deal with in in recording environments is the tendency to trust the microphone too much. Um, The microphone will pick you up, and if you want to sound like a person talking, you need to be a person talking, not a person talking quietly into a microphone. You need to speak at your full volume with your full resonance, and let your voice do the job that it does. Um, and that'll that'll mean that the you know you can t- always turn down the recording, but you can't get more quality out of a voice once it's been recorded.
0: And similarly, if you have clicking and popping and breathing into the mic and a lot of interference, a lot of people I think overtrust what can be done in post, mm-hmm. but there's a lot to be said for just getting quality up front, I mm-hmm.
6: think.
3: Yeah, stepping, keeping six inches between you and the microphone so you're breathing. So this is a
4: great meter. Just Oh yeah, do finger. the
3: the hang loose with <laughs> your thumb and forefinger, or thumb and, and small finger. If okay. you yeah. have a lot of that's a great kind of means
1: of telling
4: where Oh, it would be.
1: If you're having problems with plosives, um, some people will use pop screens on their mics. So it's the clown nose looking thing. Or you can also just stick a pencil or something straight in front of the mic that'll like split the sound.
5: Pantyhose over a coat hanger. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's how we started. When we started,
3: <laughs> we, w- closet is actually a bit generous. We were in the nook where a closet opened into. So it was just sort of like an impression in the wall with. Candy hose on a coat hanger, and... I just, I remember... Do we have one of those
5: stick microphones that comes with the computer? I, I just remember us all being in, like, Clayton's bedroom, trying, like, three... You, myself, and, uh, uh, and, <laughs> and Frank, oh, yeah. who does uh, the voice of a character named Andrew Snitch, we were all, like, cradled on the bed with one microphone... Clayton was in a corner on, like, the computer recording us, and, like, each having to, like, lean into the mic as we set our lines. And there was literally pantyhose on a coat hanger yep. for the pop screen.
4: Oh. Did you have to
5: move the pantyhose
4: depending on where someone was sitting? Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Sounds like a real sexy time. <laughs>
5: it's, uh, it's quite the experience.
0: So uh, let's get to the next step, I guess, the distribution process. How do you get your podcast Where do you Where can people Listen to podcasts Where do you put
4: it I write stuff
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I do produce Another podcast As well as Working on this one And I will say That that is Sometimes the hardest part Is getting it out there Um, But one good way To get yourself On the internet Is to find a good Podcast hosting service Like Blueberry Or Libsyn Or I think we're on Libsyn We're on Libsyn Yeah Uh, they do you a couple services right up front that make them really worth the money. And the big thing is that when you put your podcast up, they automatically send it to iTunes and all the other major podcast distributors. Uh, That way you don't have to do any extra work. Um, I did my uh, side project on Squarespace, uh, which will host your files just fine, but you have to do all the legwork to get yourself onto the iTunes list. You have to subscribe your RSS feed and get all of that work done. There are are how-to lists on the internet that will help you with all of those things, Uh, but if you're going to host it on a a separate website that is not specialized for podcasting, be prepared that you have to register your podcast with iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all of those services independently, Uh, whereas... Paying for Libsyn or Blueberry up front gets it right out there. Um, so it's it's not hard, but there there are best ways to do it. And I'd say that's, looking
4: back on it, that's what I would have done. And The, the big benefit is that helps make your content more findable. Mm-hmm. Because word of mouth can be very powerful if you have the, the right influencers who are finding their content and recommending it to other people. But some people... Say they just want to watch Netflix. They go on and see what's recommended to them and what's in front of their face. They're not necessarily looking for anything in particular. They just want to be like, "What catches my attention?" Mm-hmm. And all of the and going through all of those uh, those routes will let those people be like, "Oh, what what looks interesting today?" And you can find an audience. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, there's a lot of free places, SoundCloud, you could put stuff on YouTube, you can put stuff on your own website, but if you have a little bit of money, mm-hmm. someone will do the work.
3: Well, and it depends on how much content you're going to put up as well. Right. A lot of the free sites yeah. will, <laughs> will cap you at a certain amount of data. Um, so if it's a small project, absolutely SoundCloud that, because there's no reason not to. Mm. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah, we're not qualified for that.
4: <laughs> it's a nice problem to have. <laughs>
0: it is. It's great.
4: Uh, how many listeners uh, or downloads do you say we have?
0: God, we That's... did. We reached a quarter million. Mm-hmm. And I thought we oh, reached wow. Yeah, Yeah. We re- I, that was well, a it's a quarter million individual
3: people. We reached right? a quarter
0: million, and then we were like, wow, what a big milestone. But that snowball got so big so fast that we're at a million now. We got a million downloads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so, um, yeah, I want to hear a little bit about just uh, fandom, I guess, because now that we've had a million downloads, uh, what are some of the ways you've seen this podcast celebrated? I have fan art of my character, <laughs> <laughs> and it means so much to me.
4: Cosplay, it's, it's really awesome. We were cited in an academic journal by a Northwestern professor. Yeah, that was
3: awesome. Someone made character-themed soaps and sent them to the studio.
0: Oh yeah, we, re- we received a very heavy, very, like, ambitiously box. expensive
6: marked to ship. Box.
0: And we were like, is this a
2: bomb?
0: <laughs> it
1: was filled <laughs>
2: with the soap. The well, or maybe it's a bad it had bomb. Brain. It has the potential to
3: become There's, a bad bomb. Yeah. Yes. Well, well,
0: thinking, I've used uh, them. Yeah, They're yeah. <laughs> So uh, before we move so on to kind of the sound effects portion, I would love to take some questions from all of you, uh, either about podcasting as a media or about this story specifically. Uh, anything you'd like to talk about? Yes.
2: Um, old-time radio, do you ever listen to that? Does that, that influence what you do?
0: Uh, nice. I know I know the founders of the show were mm-hmm. definitely influenced by old-time
3: radio. I, before we started writing... Uh, the season We I wrote the first vignettes Before doing any big research But once we got started And we were like, this is going to be a thing uh, Yeah, I went back and listened to Old Superman and The Green Hornet and The Shadow, Shadow. All the, Oh yeah, you gotta listen to The Shadow uh, X-1 is really good If you caught that one uh, The NBC Radio Hour, I think it was called Did a bunch of like Isaac Asimov pieces that were really cool. Uh, I may have wasted a lot of spent. I may have spent a lot of time uh, on research, air quotes, listening to old time radio. Yeah, and it's it's so influential um, to the medium of podcasting in a couple ways. And the big one is that you know when you're telling a story, an audio drama, that is the root. And those guys, you know, paved the road and made so many of the sound effects that are recognizable to even moviegoers of today. Uh, they also paved the road for the way that voice acting is most recognizable and most uh, successful. Uh, and thank goodness for Superman excusing us changing out a voice here and there. Uh, I don't know if you guys know that story. Um, when Superman was a radio show... The guy who played Superman had to leave for a, like a month or something because he was sick or on vacation. I don't know the. the I, mean, reason. I think it was vacation. I think it was a I vacation too. Was uh, So they invented kryptonite <laughs> as a reason <laughs> for the reason for why Superman sounded different for a month, so they could get a different voice actor <laughs> I, I to did play. Not know that that is awesome. Isn't movie. that amazing? That's yeah. Every time we have to replace somebody, we're like, it's, it's fine.
5: Superman. Um, I. Aside from being a, I I may have been the shadow for at least two Halloween's, um, and, and have posters, but uh, there used to be a program here in Chicago that would play after eleven o'clock on AM stations. I don't know because I was a, a show. I was a child, but I only, I only know that when we would drive into Chicago to see my dad's family. And we'd be driving home late at night, there was, a, there was a station that would play old-time radio, and so we would be driving home, and I w- it was always excited to listen to the, the old radio shows as we were driving home at night, and then I'd probably fall asleep. Mm. That show is
4: still there on some NPR stations, uh... My, my family and I, we would listen to uh, the Star Wars radio adaptations, mm-hmm. uh, as well as like War of the Worlds. Nice. And then they also did. And I didn't notice until like maybe eight years ago. I was driving home, and they were doing at late night the radio adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life. Uh-huh. And a lot of the original cast. I'm hearing it, and I'm like, oh, are they just playing the movie? And I'm like, no, they're not. This is this is different. And I, and I loved it. Yeah. And especially seeing the differences where they try to convey the action uh, that you know that we can already expect. And sometimes it comes up as hokey, like, look over there, that ship is blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, as the, the, the medium has matured, we can use sound effects to, instead of having characters say, look at that ship blowing up, we can actually say, look over there, and we can hear that explosion. Mm-hmm. And we can hear all of those little bits of the world falling apart. And, falling
3: together. and that's actually a, a really good point, for going back to how to get your podcast out there. Um, if, your, if your podcast time frame, your production time frame, allows you to stick in sound effects after the fact, and you can do one of those highly produced uh, soundscaped shows where you can stick in all of those extra cues, then that's amazing. Uh, I work on another project where we don't have that luxury, and we're still doing, look at that thing over there <laughs> exploding, and then somebody makes an explosion noise back in the, and now you know what it was. Uh, so that's, uh, that's still very much a thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's still very you
0: have
4: much have a comment? Good. I saw it. A... No, sure. uh, not so much, but, uh, you know, I think recently Stacy Keach has actually posted, like, Twilight Zone Radio. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, They've adapted, you know, a lot of the original stories and yeah. kind of stuff. So the they're pretty, they're pretty well done. They used to play them a lot on. I mean, driving home at late at night, like 11 or so. I can't remember what station ran them, but uh, yeah, but I know you can get them now on, you know, on the internet
5: and
1: find If I remember correctly, I think Sterling also wrote some scripts for Lights Out back in the day. Yeah, yeah,
6: oh um, yeah,
5: yeah. Um, the, the other thing, kind of going with the, the big Finnish Dr. Who's, is that the BBC never stopped doing audio drama, mm. and their is, theirs is kind of this now sort of the standard, just because they've been doing it so long. So if you like submit any written material, it's only recently that there's now a uh, United uh, U.S. Uh, audio drama format before everyone required you to use BBC. So, like, how you would format the scripts? Like, like you know, screenplays
4: have a specific format. Everyone used the BBC format. Hmm. And Maybe about a year ago, I saw that the BBC would had already, and is maybe still doing uh, lost episodes of the Avengers Mm these audio dramas. Yep, they have a
3: huge back catalog of of audio drama because they've been doing it for so long, and a lot of it is available online now. Uh, And that includes like old. Oh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guy. Yeah, yeah. So something
0: that this conversation is inspiring in me, and this is kind of a curveball, we've never talked about this before, Mm -hmm. Uh Uh, but old school radio versus new school radio, a new challenge that we are uh, thankfully finally facing is representation in a lot of our media, more representation in different uh, cultures, different genders, different sexual orientations. And who knows about uh, Welcome to Night Vale? Yeah, Yeah, so Welcome to Night Vale is the story I always love to tell about modern representation. Because if you hear a voice, you can't always necessarily tell what that person looks like, skin color, religion. You know, you don't hear those things, but it's still important that people are represented in media. And one of the main characters of Welcome to Night Vale is uh, a homosexual of Latin descent,
4: Carlos. 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 Yes! Carlos. And
0: Carlos, the original actor who played Carlos, was not those things. And the fans sort of said, I'm sure you could find an actor who's looking for a job that is gay and is non-white. Can you maybe go do that? And they, they went and they made the effort to replace that actor to make sure that those cultures were really being represented by real actors as opposed to just being told they were being represented. And I, I just want to hear some commentary on that and how we have tried to bring representation into our city and diversity.
5: I mean, I think uh, particularly the the audio drama community that's sort of risen up I, uh, in, in the wake of Night Vale, <laughs> let's be fair um has ha, is very uh savvy savvy to to sort of the ideas of representation and Progressive. In, yeah, yeah and inclusivity um so as like more and more audio dramas are being produced now like you, you we're seeing more and more uh in, inclusiveness um not just in sort of the character uh creation or the, the characters themselves, but also in, like, who's making the podcasts. Um, I'm thinking of there's uh, the Bright Sessions uh, has characters of all sex, sexual orientations and, and races and uh, Starship Iris as well. Um, but I, I think, be, you know, because the fandom has kind of at, latched onto that, that idea, and has been very, like, supportive and enthusiastic about that. Uh, creators of Audio Drama, including uh, Our First City, are like, oh, okay, yeah, let's let's provide this for the fans. Let's, um, you know, make that sort of effort. Because when we started, we were just a bunch of, you know, mostly white guys, you know, sitting in, in Clayton's apartment. In a uh, different apartment. white guy's <laughs> apartment.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, you're being very, uh, soft-footed and gentle about it, and I don't feel like I need to be that way. There were not any women writers, and now there are women writers. There were not any actors of color, and now there are actors of
3: color. Oh! (laughs) That was way more simple than I was thinking. There are.
0: And uh, I would love to take this moment to introduce you guys to, if you haven't listened to Our Fair City before, uh, season one originally was these guys in a bedroom, talking around a mic, and we got better and better and better both with our audio quality and our production quality, but also how we were talking about women, how we were talking about sex workers, how we were talking about, um, you know, oppression even of the mole people in the society that we had built. And so knowing how much we'd learned both, uh, as storytellers, but also as artists, we redid season one as a one episode full length kind of feature. And so, if you might be interested in hearing our show, going and listening to just that is a great inroad because the quality is nice and high. The storytelling is, you know, more I think where we're proud of now, and we would mm-hmm. love for you to check that out.
4: And for and, those and that have heard Night Vale uh, in later seasons, we do have as a guest uh, actor on the show Cecil Ball. Yes. Oh,
5: however, you can also, if you if you scroll down on this on this page. You can go back and listen to the original season one. To um, compare. Yeah, <laughs> to compare and compare. Contra- I wouldn't See what recommend it.
1: See what we all learned together. And yeah. I would say also, science fiction is a great vehicle for these aspirational ideas about uh, inclusivity and representation as well. And looking at how it's been done in the past, still makes you recognize how much further we had to go, even when we thought we were presenting a utopian society in, for example, I love the original Star Trek. Some of it has not aged wonderfully. And we're all learning uh, all the time. And even in a society like hard life, which is dystopic, which is classist, but not for the reasons we're battling today. Which is, well, not all of the reasons we're (laughs) battling today. (laughs) Some of
0: them. Which is nice. Uh, also, you'll notice on this page, each and every episode we create has a piece of original art that goes with it, and so we mix in other types of media, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anyone have any other questions before we go on to our sound portion? Yes.
2: Which, now I've heard podcast uh, shows being done in two different ways. One, like all-time radio, we get everybody together doing it. Others do it where each individual character will be done by somebody, and they'll send it in, and then they put it together? What way do you do it? Which way do you prefer? And do, can you tell the difference between
1: them? We aspire to the former for a, a number of reasons, and wind up doing the latter d- due to a couple of, uh, like, Logistics. case-based situations. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'd always like to have uh, everyone in the room together for one thing because the room tone is going to be the easiest to get consistently. And also, so the actors have the luxury of playing off of each other. We have a couple of uh, members of our ensemble that have tremendous chemistry together, especially when they get to record in the room together. And I think you can feel that and really appreciate that in the end product, more pronounced than when people have to literally or figuratively phone it in.
0: We do, as she said, though, have instances where people send in their lines. Often if we have a guest star who's very busy, or we need a retake of in something.
5: Another state, they, they are. are. Yeah. Or oh. they're the narrator. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> or or they... We keep writing two characters in the same room together. However, they're married and have children, so one of them has to go and tend to the children <laughs> while the other one records, <laughs> and then they switch.
1: Or for the sake of sanity, if you're playing dialogue off of uh, two characters that are voiced by the same actor, you're going to give them <laughs> multiple takes.
4: Even some chances. Yeah. Oh, Oh, what's coming up? Oh, <laughs> <what's> coming up? <laughs> oh no. Live episodes on stage where mm-hmm. we'll record the entire performance where all the actors are together, all the sound effects are live, and all the music is live. So by the end of the show, we have an episode. Yeah. Ellie wrote one of those. I did. I, I, I did. Uh, Ellie,
0: would you like to start setting up
1: Everybody to scoot
0: move. a little bit? Because we're going to talk a little
1: bit about the sound design that goes into uh, foleying a piece of audio drama. And I speak to it mostly from producing as a live foley practitioner. That's what makes me the most excited about this medium. Um, let's see, and a couple of concepts that we've discussed already a little bit. Ansel brought up that we have kind of gotten our heads strained into what sounds right, narratively, by movies and cartoons from the past century. So it's kind of the idea, like the difference between a grape-flavored candy and an actual grape. We know what it's supposed to sound what it's supposed to taste like, but for the sake of what we all communicate and agree is grape candy, it's a different thing, but it makes you think of the actual fruit. And there are a lot of sounds that are the same way. If you remember, Hanna-Barbera are the ones that taught us what tiptoeing sounds like. Ideally, tiptoeing shouldn't sound like anything if you're doing it right, but if if it's a xylophone kind of <laughs> that also for some reason tells us someone's tiptoeing. So those are things to keep in mind uh, when you're designing your story. Another thing to think about is context as casting. When it comes to live performance, I always get more excited by having practical effects that are recognizable and repurposed into a new context because the audience gets a heightened sense of play by seeing something familiar in an unfamiliar context. It's something that they can carry on through their life together, and I think activates the same part of your brain that gets excited by wordplay. It's broadening your horizon of what things can be.
5: So real real quick, I'm going to talk so that you can actually set up. No, you no, no
6: I'm, I'm going, but um, you can go. Yeah.
5: Um, so if you're creating sound of no I keep setting up. No,
6: I'm ready. Okay. Never mind that.
5: Um, but keep if you're doing, doing so. if you're doing uh, you know what what we do for like the podcast is a lot of like recorded sound. We have a sound engineer. Like he'll go out and go to a junkyard with sledgehammer and hit windows and do things like that. Record mm-hmm. his child and make it an ant person um, things like that. And then you log it in uh afterwards and there are websites that like will provide you like mostly free, uh, oh yeah. like sound effects yeah. if if you need them. There are free sound libraries
3: all over the you internet. You
1: can even pull those off of YouTube if you're getting that like ambitious. Um, but yeah, a couple of my favorite examples of contained sound effects are Ryan Schiele's, uh baby's first cries are the sounds of a baby giant horrific ant in our fair city. <laughs> Some of you might know that the Alien franchise, uh, there's a cornucopia, there's a Noah's Ark of animals that are being repurposed and pitch shifted for the different sounds that the xenomorphs make. But the most famous one is an elephant's cry that is being shifted up significantly. to be that... <laughs> Kind of noise that we recognize as being an alien. Um, Fight Club. There are a lot of really interesting body blow sounds in there, like for the sound of cracking ribs and uh, like uh, hands on flesh. And the one that I always liked the best uh, from the stories I've heard is that the Foley designer. Filled a chicken carcass with walnuts and smashed it with a mallet (laughs) That's a little ambitious for a live show, but man, I can dream, can't I? On the plus side, I'm not going to worry too much about getting salmonella on my stage
0: (laughs) Uh, Do we want to take audience people or do you want us to review? Uh, I've
1: got a couple of more things I'd like to show first, but we can go either way
0: I'm just preparing
1: Of course, Um, and when it comes to things that sound like themselves some of you might recognize a Foley door, which is a door about quarter to third inch sc- uh, third scale of an actual door that can be really, really fancy or really, really simple. The important thing is having a knob that you can open and shut for the sound of wood shifting in its brace, but you can also have uh, slide bolts or chain links or dead bolts or fancy knockers on it to give you a little bit more character for the uh, door that is being opened. Um, Think about the way that sound can inform where you are. Are you in a cabin in the woods? Is it sturdy or is it rickety? Are there wolves outside? Can you hear wind through the different little shifts and holes, holes in the wood? Is it cold in there? Is there a fire going? These are all things that sound can help you inform and uh, give you a better sense of what is going on for the characters in the scene as well. Now, things that are practically built for sound effects. This is a thunder tube. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> you can also play sway. But getting back into things that play themselves. Ooh. Ooh. What
5: what is it?
1: It is a thunder tube. No, but
5: like, what's it made out of?
1: It is made out of wood this way, and I think some sort of leather or pleathery kind of thing, canvas this way and for reverberation, and a big old spring. Also, you have a lot of footsteps in Foley, which more often than not is going to be shoes. Or if you have bare feet, hands... gloves on them. And having a basis for where the feet are traveling on is also important. You can have wood. This is the walking board we'll be using in a second. You can have tile if they're outside on a sidewalk or something. You can have carpet if you need to be a little bit muffled. You can also use gravel pits. Foley artists that work for films usually have different little boxes that have different kinds of like Detritus in them, crunching leaves, or if you're walking through a scene in the winter, or these different types of textures. If you're on stage, though, if you want to keep your hands free, or if you just don't have time to deal with a pair of boots and kitty litter, hypothetically.
4: Hypothetically.
1: Yes, you can. Satisfactory.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: It also helps when you have a character say something about how they're going to be walking a very long distance and not have anything to talk about.
3: What is that?
1: This is a rubber ball full of beads. I don't even think it's supposed to be for sound effects. but Boy, do, do I like it. Going back to that context, we have a couple of really versatile elements in here. This is compressed air used for cleaning a computer keyboard. But I've used it to be the emergency sprinkler system in a department store that has taken fire. I've used it to be the sound sweetened with, the, uh, with plastic um, cellophane, to be a, a reng- an engine of a rocket taking off. Um, I've used it to be a fire extinguisher. So depending on what is going on in the scene, that can also help you inform and help the audience make the connections of what's going on narratively. That's a concept that I stole from Scott McCloud of understanding comics. Mm. Anybody here read that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He talks about closure, which is the comprehension that goes on in between panels of comic books because you're not seeing every single thing that goes on. Um, If you go from seeing a house like this to a door uh, close up, it's going to tell you you're probably at the house that you were just seeing in the distance. You don't have to see the entire movement walking toward that house. You make that logical leap yourself. So this is another way of playing with your audience in a way I, way I find really exciting. Another one of those context-as-casting kind of situations. If someone says, look out, he's got a gun, and you hear a wrench, you don't think of it as a wrench anymore. You think of it as a revolver cocking, don't you? So these are fun things that you can play with with your audience and with, uh, be it on stage or in podcast. I also brought some things at part. <laughs> LARP is one of my favorites. And now I'm also in the process of getting set up. Because in order to hit a little bit of this home, what I'd like to do is get some volunteers to read an excerpt from one of our live shows without any of the sound effects in there. And then we'll put in the sound effects and see how that changes things for everybody. Does that sound okay? Anyone wanna read? Yay, we have a <laughs> volunteer. here.
3: one back.
1: Awesome. And so, you know, this is an excerpt from one of the live shows we did at Chicago Prince Festival two years ago called Human Resources, written by me and Kat Evans. So, what I'm gonna ask you folks to do is we're going to read your lines, but the italicized golden things Those are sound effects, so we're just going to pretend they're not even there. Uh, Let's see. Ansel, will you read the voice of the test?
3: Absolutely.
1: And our lovely assistant from the audience, will you read Kim? Okay. Okay. Uh, And Jim, will you be be frenzied policy? Yes. Okay.
6: Ready?
3: Situation two. Identify threats and corporation-approved protocol.
6: That's cavernous mold. We need to evacuate and secure the perimeter. Who's that policy? Who's that policy coming towards us? Quick, take this baby! Stop! Identify that policy's number and yours immediately! There's no time to explain! Take it! No! You will immediately identify yourself and that infant now. We're all in great danger. The carnivorous mold is right behind us. You will follow company procedure. But at what cost? At the cost of termination of your policy, and possibly my own. I have, and you should have, zero hesitance to die following company policy. Uh, I am policy 3344-Beta-1, Captain William Jones, street safe. Now do as you're told, our lives are at stake. I invite you to record our conversation for review by both our superiors. Directors, the mold is approaching. There's a juvenile policy in danger. You have refused to provide this baby's policy number, indicating that it is an unapproved prodigy. Her life resources are entirely unavailable for its needs.
3: Assessment correct. Moving on.
1: Okay, great job everybody. Now, what do we take away from that? Do we have a couple of sound effects we think might make sense in this story? The baby. The baby, that's a great one. Okay, uh, so we'll add that in. That's just going to be mouth sounds, because <laughs> can be a baby just fine. Uh, does anyone else have an idea? No. Mold. That's good. Carnivorous mold. That's a very exciting one. And when you're thinking about what makes sense for the sounds of carnivorous mold in this particular experience, uh, what I'm thinking could be good is like some spores that kind of devour the skin as soon as they touch it. But for the sake of someone getting devoured right away uh, to... Earn the frenzy of this particular policy. I'm thinking of it in my head more like one of those blanket monster muppets from the old timey Muppet Show. They can like kind of envelop like, kind of things at the same uh, all at once. So for this, we'll make it kind of slide along towards you as fast as it possibly can, blob style. But I think I'm also going to sweeten it by adding some of that spore quality that I was talking about just now. And a way that we can do that. is a combination of soda and Alka-Seltzer, which will give you a recurring little bubbling kind of sound. So we'll have that going during the next time we're running through this. Does anyone have any other ideas for things that are going to happen in this scene? Running. Running! Very good! There's a frenzy policy with a baby, so he's going to run toward us. Good, 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 good. So, and... As I was saying, we got to give that policy something to be frenzied about, so I'm going to take a volunteer to be a not-so-lucky, red-shirted policy off in the distance getting devoured at just the right time. Steven, will you be someone that screams for me? Yeah, I can. Okay. Now, we're going to have a little bit of added visual intrigue going on with this. Now, we've got a baby that's getting cradled and possibly also attempted to hand to... A not, co- uh, not a cooperating individual. So, maybe it gets dropped. Maybe, oh, no. maybe a baby is just going to go at the wrong time. Now, for the sake of visual tracking, that's going to give the audience something to look at. But we've also got some violence going on with this carnivorous mold that's going to attack. That's where I'm going to take some celery, which is great for broken bones and other kinds of really violent things that go on in Foley work. But the reason why I'm going to differentiate between these two is you've already identified this as the baby. You don't, We don't want you thinking the baby also gets eaten. So just a little bit of practical differentiation going on right there. Okay. Oh, you know what? This is a test. This is the voice of a test going on. So why don't we uh, maybe add a bell going on once the, the assessment has been determined correct. So we'll have us move on to the end of this sequence. Okay? So I'm going to open our Alka-Seltzer going to put the shoes up here. I'm going to have my celery ready. I'm going to have my carnivorous mold ready. Situation
3: 2. Identify threats and corporation-approved protocol.
6: <coughs> That's carnivorous mold. We need to evacuate and secure the perimeter. Who is that policy coming towards us? Identify that policy's number and yours immediately. There's no time to explain! Take it! No! <laughs> you will immediately identify yourself in that infant now. We're all in great danger! The carnivorous mold is right! Are- ah! <laughs> will follow company procedure. But at what cost? At the cost of termination of your policy, and possibly my own, I have, and you should have, zero hesitation to die following company policy.
5: Fine. I am policy 3344-Beta-1, Captain William Jones, street, street safe. Now do as you're told. Our lives are at stake. I
6: invite you to record our conversation for review by both our superiors.
5: Directors, the mold is approaching. There's a juvenile policy in danger.
6: (laughs) You have refused to provide this baby's policy number, indicating that it is an unproven progeny. Hair life resources are entirely unavailable to identify its needs. Assessment correct. Moving on. All right.
1: our lovely (laughs)
6: volunteer thank
0: you all right that about wraps it up thank you guys for coming to our panel we had a wonderful time performing with you and talking with you Uh, please check out ourfaircity.com to hear our show we uh, are i think the last panel so we're going to hang out and talk to you if you have any questions you'd like us to answer in person we also brought some t-shirts some comics and some buttons that we would love for you to come and check out as well Thank you. Have a great fan fest, guys.
4: Woo! <laughs> the Fable and Falling Network, where fiction
0: producers flourish.